Welcome to Creative Confidential. I'm Jude Kampfner. This show is about the passion of the creative process and how some artists just exude it. That seems especially applicable to my guest today, Omar Roman de Jesus. His work combines dancing, choreography, company leadership, filmmaking, and teaching. Within one dance, he'll use multiple styles from classical to popular Latin to especially composed music. But Omar, what I want to start with is this, something I find that really stands out. You describe yourself as a queer Latinx or queer Puerto Ricanio. My question is, that seems unusual to me because in the dance world, to be so upfront about your identity isn't common. Most dancers seem to try to be really anonymous. What do you think? <laughs> Hi. Um, well, thank you for having me here. First of all, I believe that we should walk with pride uh, and celebrate who we are as individuals in relationship to my platform. I want to create a platform that it is inclusive to everyone um, in order to affect the, creati- the creative work um, and as well as inviting new audiences uh, to the theater. So you said inclusive, but you also want to make it clear about an identity, both of sexuality and race, correct? Yes, correct. In my particular case, and to why I relate the most, my work speaks really loudly about my experience as a Latino, as a Latinx artist. And I look to create pathways for more people like myself to grow towards sustainable life in the arts. This means providing the experiences and resources uh, that they need and participating in, in filming and teaching and, and, and being that connecting point or bridge. Right. And then why do you make it so blatant about the queer aspect. Yes, I'm queer. Yes, I'm Puerto Ricanio. And yes, I, 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 I do want my platform to be inclusive and, and, and I want my audiences to be inclusive. And I, I really, I guess this is a different thing, but I, I guess it, it has to do with patience. I really wish to pass the page and, and, and hopefully not have to put our identity at the forefront of why do I need to be celebrated? I want my art to stand for itself. I guess you'd like not to have to keep, you know, keep that title eventually, but for the moment where there is some negativity, where there is some prejudice, it's important to have it. But what you're saying is the content of your work isn't political. Exactly. Exactly. It is political just because because it's me, because because me myself, my 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 name alone, you know, Mar Roman de Jesus already says something. The name of my company, Bocatuya, already is it's, it's already political because it's it's our body here today. But do you think you are atypical? Do you think it's true that most dancers are very quiet about where they come from and what their private lives are? Yeah. Why? I'm not sure, but also. I think there's something to say about feeling boxed, being boxed into something, you know. Um, I think that 
what I want to make sure with my work is that as a queer Puerto Rican artist, I'm not expected to create a specific type of work of like, for in my case, like what does like a Latino dance looks like? So all of a sudden, I will feel challenged by creating a piece that is entirely to classical music because that is, doesn't sound Latino. So, so yeah, I, I, it is important that we acknowledge everyone for just being an artist and a creative being. This is so exciting. I have so many questions to ask. But it seems to me that dancers are really frightened of being personalities, that they have to present themselves as a body that can do what a choreographer asks them to do or what the company manager wants. Very rarely will they say, I'm a mother of three children, because that, God forbid, might mean that you won't be cast as something. So do you think that that is partly what it is, like that you're trying to say to dancers, be more honest about who you are? Absolutely. There's so much that plays into what the work becomes just by seeing the dancers interact in the space, right? So who they are entirely should be integrated in the work in some sort of way. Even when dancers are speaking in the corner and they there's something that happens and they show assassiness or, or, or some sort of like any source of personality, it's informing me as a creator of how can I build characters around who they are already, right? So when we look at inclusivity, we're not just looking at it as like a matter of race or sexuality. We're looking at who they are and how every person in the room can truly feel that they are a, a collaborator to the process. It's not just, I think like hopefully going into the future and the platform that I want to build allows dancers to to really be themselves. And I'm there as a, as a director, right? Like I'm directing them and building a world um, where they're the life of the work, the like essential part of the work. And, and it's not like robots. I think we, we come from a, a, a culture that have teachers that we follow instructions and we say, yes, sir. And we're not about to, we cannot challenge or question anything because that is looked as, challenging the authority or disrespecting or not being professional, which is, you know, crazy to me. Um, That's particularly true of ballet, isn't it? Where you are somewhat of a robot and you have to like do everything perfectly according to details of a standard. And you're not really asked to think or question, particularly in, in the corps de ballet. Yeah. Questioning can, can lead to to being fired, I think like a lot of people in power don't want to deal with the with the questions and with and and I think it is important to 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 make the time for it so we can actually take action and be like okay what does this person need what does my employee needs and stop this culture of 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 saying that dancers are disposable that creates huge fear and I think we need to move from that. So you're feeling it's really important to respect each personality, where they're coming from, the quirks of their character. Can you give me an example of a dancer who revealed something in a relaxed moment that you then used in a dance?
absolutely. One of my, my favorite works that I've created, very proud of it, Sombreristas. One dancer, uh, the company that I uh, created on, uh, Bruce Wood Dance, uh, love them, incredible creative team. Uh, there was some; they, they had two apprentices, and they were part of the process in the creation. And I kind of like at the beginning of the process, I supposed to look at them as understudies, and as the process developed itself, and I was creating these characters. There's one of the apprentices. Yeah, it started to flourish and it started to like let go and work so hard and show themselves in such confident light that instruct me with clarity that that needed to be celebrated and be put into the work. So I created a character for this individual, which of course then I had to have a conversation in the office and be like, can this happen? Can this not happen? You know, but it made it. The, the organization allowed it to happen. And I feel like it was a beautiful moment because it is stand out for the celebration of, of, of this person as an individual, but also this is how you get jobs. person, this dancer is, is now an official member of the company. Wow. So this dancer showed initiative and sort of something of a larger than life personality that made you feel you wanted to include their talents. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Sometimes there's many things to celebrate in the process. There's the people that are just gifted all around and you just must use, but there's there's also the potential and potential needs to be celebrated and be given an opportunity because you got to let those bodies uh, develop and grow and, and give them the, those tools and the confidence to, to raise to the occasion. Yeah. Um, so that dance was based on the sombrero hat. That was kind of a through image that was used in a lot of different ways. Do you see that as a celebration of Latin identity using that hat? Yes, when I thought about it, it doesn't come as an intentional, like, I want to use this hat because I want to make a statement about my identity. I have grown wearing these hats. I have grown seeing my grandfather wearing this hat and, and you know, so it, it, it is it is there. It is already there. So when I think about using hats, what I'm thinking is how can I creatively tell a story through hats? And how can I use hats in a way that haven't been used before? Do you feel that illustrating Latin culture through modern dance, there's still a long way to go because there's too many cliches out there and there's been too little of it out there. I mean, there's this company Ballet Hispanico in this town but that comes from a ballet origin. There don't seem to be too many Latin modern dance companies. There's Jose Limon, I suppose, but that's kind of like an old one now. 
Do you feel like there's too little around of modern dance infused with a Latin sensibility? And if it is around, is it cliched? Oh, I see. I see. Well, thank you for this question. Uh, <laughs> yes, I think there's definitely very, very little uh, representation of Latin community, Latinx community. For example, an organization like uh, Ballet Hispanico, they do have a vision um, and I do love what they do. And and I 100% um, support like what what they give audiences it's very specific brand right it's like the complications it's another conversation that i love to have some time for how do we mix art and business and how that relationship is a complicated one to navigate they do definitely have understand what works for them what i would like to do with my platform is where like we go on tour and present a, a program that is accessible to audiences but also have a space for experimentation and and, and risk taking i just created a, a, a film in where the women are topless and oh man have i here <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. There go so so many things and and like in in the film you can definitely get like you know the the clear influences of of, of my culture and stuff but to think that there is a readiness for it and and then reading all of the feedback that went from one spectrum to the all the way to the other was very interesting to me but also made me scared as an artist understanding that I wanted that I'm building my own company and my own brand and that I do have to navigate that complicated relationship between business and art made me very nervous about risk uh, about true creativity like how how can I like go into the studio and get excited about doing something daring and and, and push boundaries and challenge people and I'm not talking about radical art that's a whole different level I'm just talking about things that for me are in my world, in my eyes, you know. So can I just throw a couple of quick fire questions at you on, on some of those points that you've made? Having a dance film where the women are topless, is that particularly from a Latin tradition? Uh, no. Okay. No. What was the motivating factor? Honestly, it was very simple. It was just the fact that I found these beautiful pants. Um they were incredibly cheap and incredibly beautiful. So I, I went to this store and I, I wanted to buy two of them. And then as soon as they, they, they talked to me and they were like, oh, we can give you the discount. I was like, wow, this is a great offer. a possibility for a bigger work so i bought 20 of them so i have them in storage and as i at while that was happening i was in the process of brainstorming for a commission with the barishnikov art center and when i tried the pants on my roommate 
yeah. I was just like, oh, I don't think this looks good with anything over it. And then kind of like originated from there. And I was like, what if they're topless? And what if this is just the costume? They are loads of ruffles and um, sort of like feathers. They look to me a bit like Nijinsky in La, uh, La Primide du Faune, like half, half animal, half human. And it wasn't so unusual to see a male dressed like that, like a, like a satyr, like a, a folk image. It was more unusual, obviously, to see a female, but it didn't seem particularly erotic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that was the that was the whole point, that to normalize it. Yeah, uh, I mean, you see topless women in movies quite commonly. Um, mm -hmm. You see topless people on certain beaches, not so much in America, but in other countries. Um, I lived in Australia. It was really normal. I mean, my mother-in-law would walk around topless. Like it's like nothing to worry about. And yet, you got a lot of criticism for this dance film. Is that right? Yes, yes, a lot from all ages. Um, yeah, it was. It went from like, wow, I loved it. To one person said I couldn't pass through it because I couldn't deal with the image of of breasts bouncing and i was just like wow and when i see the film myself i don't even look at that it, like it literally took me less than five minutes to because i obviously i don't walk through life and see breasts so like five minutes into rehearsal and that's it it becomes invisible yeah. it's like it's like completely normal almost like it is the costume it is the costume yes. it was it was i i i think it was so beautiful and more, more beautiful was when I made the calls to the dancers and I was like, hey, I have this opportunity. Would you like to be a part of it? This is part of the engagement. Is that something that you're okay with? I almost didn't even finish before every artist was like, of course, why would that be a problem? Yeah. The men and the women were almost like one. Their tops seemed very muscular and they, they were very interwoven. But you could imagine this as a scene from a dream where we're half animal, half bird, and it's hard to see the individual from the crowd. Yeah, I mean, they were all the same. I think like a, a true celebration of equality here. And I, I love that aspect of it and the uniformity of it all and how we kind of challenge that gender norm. Yeah. Did you think of it as a dream? I think all of my works as, as dreams. Do you dream a lot? Do you get inspiration from your dreams? <laughs> I do dream a lot. They're usually very anxiety. But yeah, I do. I do dream a lot. And I do draw inspiration, inspiration from it. Do you get inspired by any painters that seem particularly dreamlike or images? Yeah, I'm particularly interested in Salvador Dali's paintings, um, I learned a lot from the surrealism of, of his work. And, and also I find very interesting how he uses sometimes uh, like same images over and over, like the melting clock on the trees or different spaces. I love how he is able to utilize same techniques and tools to tell new stories as a choreographer myself and, you know, working in different commissions with different organizations and the work of my own company, there's a fear of like repeating yourself. 
And I think whilst by seeing his work has allowed me to understand how I can use my own creative tools in every work, but say different stories with the same tools. So you're trying to avoid like being known for one style. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Running a company is a brave thing to do. I know Twyla Tharp's done it on and off in her career and and she's written about how tough it is financially. How does one make it work, even in a place like New York? Yeah, that is the golden question. <laughs> I have learned how to do everything myself. You need a lot of passion, for sure, uh, and determination. It's it's almost a near, nearly impossible task to run a business when there's almost no funding available to you. So you find, I find myself being creative, not just with the dancing itself, but in a business level. So what kind of art can exist within this? And how do we bring this art to the audiences? And how does it relate to people? And why is it important to do it right now? And all of those questions and even the limitations of money can be a creative tool. It is a creative tool, especially at this time. It informs you in the power of resilience. Yeah, and, and it helps surprise yourself. Like the kind of things that you are able to do with, with barely anything. Do you think the pandemic really helped that? It felt to me like I became obsessed with dance videos. Dancers in their kitchens with little toddlers running through their legs. And people seem to manage to make beautiful dances with no money, just on their iPhones. Do you think some of that will translate into new kinds of cheap works, low budget ways of making dance in the future? Because we've all learned to do everything on a kind of guerrilla level. Absolutely. I mean, limitations are a beautiful, beautiful thing for creativity. So if, if I'm able to, as, as a human, uh, as an artist, as, as, as everything that I am, and take anything and turn it, I, I can turn it into positivity. I think it's the only way that I'm really going to make it in this business. And, I'm, and what I'm hoping and working towards, and it will happen, <laughs> is that this hard work that I'm putting and can be tangible enough for whoever is out there with the means that that can see that and give me a hand, you know, and multiple people wants to be part of this platform that I'm building for me and for many others. Do you get much support from Puerto Rico in terms of like government assistance? Like, do they see you as an ambassador? Yes and no. I think like my peers and the, the artists themselves, they do see me as a leader. Puerto Rican people are very proud. Like if any, any Puerto Rican people, any Puerto Rican person that goes to any place in the world and do something, it's a, it's a huge thing to celebrate. Uh, so there's a lot of pride in, in that. But when it comes to government, no, it's, it, it's sad that like, even like locally, the government has no, there's no consciousness. And also there's no culture of donors that doesn't exist. In Puerto Rico, the wealthy is the white people that are coming into the country to buy a land and build a big house and not pay taxes. <laughs> and as a consequence, there's no a lot of people that will donate to the art. There's that, that kind of relationship doesn't exist. So, so has your company been invited to 
perform in a, the main theater in San Juan? Nope. No. It's something to work on, for sure. I think the, the funding that requires to bring the, an entire ensemble, it's it's challenge for any organization in the country right now. Yeah. And presumably a topless dance would not go down there. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think they would like it. I think they would like it. I think there will be a couple of, of, of upset people that will not be able to get past it. But yeah, it, it will be like in here. Like, no, I was oh, wondering about Catholic church opposition, but you think, no, that's... My mom is very Catholic and she loved it. Uh, she shared it with her entire community herself. How much do you still think of yourself as a dancer? Or are you really primarily now choreographer and company director? Yes, uh, I definitely look at myself as a company director and choreographer. I still dance, I still train, I still do my exercises, but it is mainly as a creative tool. Do you consider yourself a, a modern dancer? How would you define your, your dance training and tradition? I have trained in ballet, contemporary, jazz, hip hop, all of these things. But I think in today's day, I look at myself as, as a dancer. Boom, the end. But I'm looking to create a vocabulary, a language uh, for each work. Um, so, so that is uh, each process has their own questions and their own uh, time to explore for me to find what that language is, which is a combination of all of the things that I have already learned through my career. And how much are you inspired by the kind of Latin ballroom dancing that people find so popular these days? How much do you want to avoid that? When the pandemic hits and, and the Black Lives Matter movement exploded, everything had became about identity, right? And and I I wanted to fight so hard being acknowledged as this like Latino Puerto Rican artist and that being like the the boom the 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 stamp on me right and the more that I tried to go far from it somehow the more that it showed in my work Mm -hmm. so it worked in a very interesting way because now I'm just like wait a second like I really love this type of music and me putting this type of music in a concert dance scene is unusual so embracing my culture embracing who I am has really been incredible, incredible for for creativity, incredible for me as an individual walking through life and for me as a business person. So of those Latin ballroom dances, which do you like to use best? I grew up watching salsa the most. So yeah. Yeah. Salsa, bomba, bomba y plena. Uh, I I grew up doing those. So uh, a lot stems from that. Right. And in your company, how many of the dancers would call themselves Hispanic? Well, I have a, a group of rotating dancers at the moment, but I work with four dancers that are Puerto Ricanos. And then I also have black dancers, white dancers. Well, that's fantastic. Who are your heroes? Who are your inspirations for your work? Um, I love the work of uh, female choreographer um, Asher Barton. Her work is stunning and, and always, always touches me deeply. I always 
go home questioning a lot of things. I would suspect that the people that you like have a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We you gotta have it. You gotta have it. It cannot be too serious. Because you have a lot of little Facebook videos of you just improvising, not caring to be too serious, just goofing around. Yeah, absolutely. I think we are in a delicate time, right? And right now, I I, I need to be for myself and for everybody that is around me. I I. I need to not take myself that seriously. It is serious. The word that goes into for me to get where I want to get, it is serious. But there's a way to be creative and be fun and, and bring elements that are entertaining. It is important, very important, that we question what does high quality art look like? And why does it have such a... Why when we think about high quality works, we have a very specific image of what that looks like. I think that's super important and that that high quality can involve improvisation, spontaneity, self-deprecation and taking risks. Absolutely. I mean, life is life. And, and it is important that we're able to, to create worlds when all things of life can exist. At times it will be fun and entertainment and at times it will be sad and depressing. You know, we, we live in a society, a capitalist society, and there's these rules and that I, I didn't chose to be here. I somehow, I'm somehow here. And, you know, we, we, we grew thinking that these are the ways of doing things. And I think we artists have that potential and space to help bring new perspective and create new rules that celebrate who we are, that how we see non-gender artists on stage and the roles that they played and uh, there are many things that can move forward. Yeah, let's check it all off a little yeah. bit. As I say the things, I, I'm also terrified, you know? And, and I think a little bit of that fear is also uh, uh, the gasoline uh, motivating, you know, like what is true purpose for me right now? So, yeah. Well, congratulations and... Um, obviously, there's a lot of trailblazing still to do. Where can people find you online? People can find me on my website, uh, www.bocatuya.com. That's, so that's B-O-C-A-T-U-Y-A. And my Instagram, uh, bocatuya uh, underscore, 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 four times. <laughs> Through my website, you can join the, my newsletter. And from that, we can start a connection. So yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Um, well, it was really terrific to talk to you. And I feel a sense of the energy and the goals that you have and the struggle as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Creative Confidential. I'm Jude Camp from a podcaster and coach. If you'd like my help or you know someone who should be on the show, get in touch. You can email me at judithjukampfner.com. Our theme music is by Gene Pritzker. And thanks to my producer, Mark McDonald at Birkdale Media. See you next week.